good morning. Good morning, everybody at the Grove Central. It's good to see you guys today. Good to see your faces. And all those welcome online, tuning in. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, I just want to say thank you guys for uh, making church a priority, making a Sunday a priority. Uh, one of the things we believe about Sundays is we start off the week by declaring that God is God, and we're not. And so for all those who came in and uh, are here, thanks for being and for all those watching. Um, we're in a series that's called uh, What Time Is It? And it's really a series about the end times. I've never done a series on the end times, and I've been enjoying this because it's pushed me uh, to dig in, to learn more than I've ever thought, you know, and and, and honestly, for a long time growing up in church, I always heard people talk about the end, right? The return of Christ, the end times, tribulation, all those things, Revelation, the book of Revelation, and all these different prophecies. And it always just sounded like it was so far off, right? Like it's just so far away, and everything they're saying is like, okay, one day that might happen. And then I began to study and prepare just to kind of talk, because people are asking like during COVID, during these seasons, like, is this, are these like the signs of the end times? And uh, and, and that's some of the questions people ask, right? And so we said, why don't we just address that? Why don't we do a series on the end times, talk about what it'll look like, what we can expect, what we can, what we can look forward to, and um, all those things. And so we plan to walk in through it. And uh, I've realized that there's more happening in the world than I ever realized when it comes to prophecy. And even uh, even the scripture has been fulfilled. And so we're using this scripture to kind of hold this whole series together. It's found in First Chronicles 12, 13. There was a group of men. They were known as the men of Issachar. It says they understood the times and they knew what Israel should do. So these guys, they knew what was going on in, in their season, and they always knew what to do because of what was taking place. I want us as a church and as believers to know, to understand the times we're living in so that we will always know what to do. When you have understanding, you always know the action always follows in the correct action, right? If you don't have understanding, then your actions can be all over the place. So I'm saying us as, as believers, as Jesus followers, as a church, let's understand what the times are so we always know what to do. And I said this, I said it was one of, the, one of our, our, our doctrines that we believe in is the second coming of Jesus, and Jesus is coming again, and I would even add soon to that, right? He's coming back, coming back again, he's going to come back soon. Uh, last week, we talked about the six days of creation, right, and, and how they, they correspond with the, the six millennia that we've been living in, the 6,000 years up to this point in history, which means the seventh will start, eventually, start soon, and that's the millennial reign of Christ, and we talked about that last week. And then we talked about Daniel 77s. There's a prophecy that Daniel, uh, Angel shows, t- talks to Daniel about what's going to take place. And uh, the 77s is a, is a series of events going to take place, a series of weeks and years that, that's going to go on. And uh, we said, you know, when, when we look at Daniel, and one of the, the prophecies that Daniel gave, the angel gave Daniel was when Jesus would be born. And uh, we said last week, up to the day is when, when that happened. And so if you ever have a question about Scripture, the reliability of Scripture, Last week would be one of those messages you want to go listen to if you missed it to talk about God is always on time. And that was interesting. I began to read more about Daniel, and I read some of us preparing for this week. And um, Daniel doesn't just talk about the, the coming, of, the first coming of Christ. He also talks about the different nations that are going to take, that are going to fall and rise uh, from from his time until Jesus, and then even after. What's interesting is I read this. I read one of the commentaries I was reading. They said that his prophecies are so accurate. And there's a group of people who said, "See, this just proves it's not true." It's so accurate, that means he went back and changed it after the fact. Well, Daniel's already dead, so he couldn't change it. But here's the thing about Daniel. The book of Daniel is in circulation hundreds of years before Jesus was even born, right? So it's already circulating what's going to take place, and then it's already circulating what's going to take place for the other kingdoms that are going to fall. And I love the fact that people that were critics of it said it's too accurate, which I think, guys, that's our Bible, right? It is too accurate in the sense that we can believe it, we can have confidence and hope. And really that's the point of this series is to give us hope, and an encouragement of saying God, God wants us to be able to look forward to the future, not afraid of the future. And this whole series, if you are afraid, that's an indication that you have to wrestle with something because something is, is most likely causing that. 
And and spirit of fear is not of God. That's of the enemy. And so you should be able to have some hope in the fact that Jesus said he's going to come back. He's going to come back. What can we expect? And the first week was about the rapture of the church. That was the most hope I can give you is saying, guys, we have to believe that he's going to come. He's going to rescue us from this corrupt world, from a world that is going to eventually decay and get worse and worse. But he's going to come. And so when it comes to prophecy, the reason there's so much hope, and I think the reason God gives it is because he wants to have confidence that when these things happen, when these things begin to play out the way they're supposed to, we're not fearful or afraid of it, but we know what's coming, and we can go in with confidence in the future. So in the Old Testament, there's 300 um, prophecies about Jesus' first coming. We talk about his birth. talk about all the different things he's gonna, that are going to take place in his life, right? So 300 prophecies talking about Christ's first coming. There's three times that amount throughout the rest of the scripture that talk about his second coming. So if his first coming was important, his second coming is just as important, right? And so uh, the reason the Bible has so much to say about it is because um, there's, there's going to be a lot that takes place. And people say, why is there so much prophecy? So 30% of the Bible is prophecy. majority of that is end times prophecy, what's going to happen towards the end, right? Why does God give us so much? Well, uh, the season we're in and the season that we're going into, there's more people alive today on earth than there has been in, in the history of the world. So there's more people that will be impacted during this season than ever in history of the world. So God wants to, us to be prepared because he knows there's going to be a lot of people impacted by it. So he's given us insight into that. The same way he told his disciples, guys, these, these things are going to take place. So the guy who predicts his death, the guy that predicts all things are going to happen after his death, and then comes back to life and then shows him he's back to life, I don't know about you, but I'm going to follow that guy, right? He's the guy we should follow because he's not just, he's just not, cre- not only credible, but he's actually showed through the power of, of his resurrection that he is God. But he tells them what's going to take place. It happens the way it's supposed to. And then he says other things are going to take place as, as, as it unfolds. And so he's, he's preparing his disciples so that when they enter into those seasons of the, of, of, the, of the things that are going on, they're not going to be afraid and run away. They can actually go in with confidence. This is why they would take the gospel around the world, even at the point of persecution, even the point of death. When I say death, I mean horrible ways, right? So some of his disciples are boiled uh, alive. Some of them are burned alive. Some of them are cut in half. Uh, some of them are beheaded. Some of them are hung on crosses. Um, so just horrible ways you can think of killing people. A lot of them were martyred that way because of their faith. But they believed so much because they saw the resurrected king. They said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do whatever it takes to live my life in such a way that's going to help others. And they went with confidence knowing God is good. And so when we look at scriptures, to give us confidence, to know how to live and how we should uh, approach these, really the end of our life, right? Because well, I said this, one day will be your last day. Whether that's the rapture God comes or whether that's an accident that takes place, right? And, and you're, you're gone sooner than you think or I'm gone sooner than I think. Or it's, 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 it's the end of our life, right? We've lived a good life, and it's, it's over. So one day will be our last day. And, and, and here's the question. If you knew that the, your end was, was close, would you live differently? If you knew the end was close, would you live differently? And that's a question. Would you answer that for me? Would you live differently if you knew it was close? Yeah, everybody would say, yeah, I probably would. How would you live differently? You'd probably enjoy food a little bit more, like, ah, oh, this is so good. You'd probably stop and smell the roses a little bit more. You'd live with intentionality. You would live with an urgency, right? You would live in such a way that you know that your time is limited. A lot of times this happens to people that, that find terminal illnesses or the diagnosis or something, right? They know that there's a time frame on their life. They begin to just spend a little more time with those that matter the most. They, they begin to do less things that don't matter and more things that do matter. Because when you, have, when you understand that your time is, is limited, and the Bible tells us this, wise people, they understand that their time is limited and live in such a way that's to make the biggest impact of their life. And so... If, if you knew the end was close, would you live differently? Well, most of you said yes, so let me just tell you. The end is closer than you realize and closer than you think. That's not too scary as to say let's live with intentionality. Let's live with, with urgency and expectancy that God can do something great in our life, right? And in this series, here's the main thing is plan as though Jesus is not coming, returning for 100 years. So you be responsible. 
Do all the things you should do, right? Save, uh, budget, plan for the future. Do all those things, but live as though Jesus could return today and you're ready to go. Like, so, so from last Sunday to this Sunday, right? You lived a whole week. If, if today he came and he, he, he's saying, well, how'd you live? Like, was that week a really good week for you? And then maybe the next week. Because I don't know about you, but for me, it seems like as a week goes on, you know, Sundays are great, kind of gives me a recharge, gives me a re- reminder of what's, what's the, po- the main focus. Then as the week goes on and you begin to deal with more and more things, it's kind of like you kind of start fading and looking for other things to distract you, right? And then Sunday comes along. Well, what if we live in such a way that every single day we're just being intentional with our life and we don't miss what God has? So uh, the first week we talked about the rapture. Last week we talked about the times, some of the, the time frames and some of the, the prophecies that, that um, Daniel spoke about, that Jesus spoke about, right? And so if we look at the, the six days, we're really close at the end of the six days, the 6,000 years that, that the Bible talks about. And then if we look at Jesus' prophecy, uh, Jesus' uh, type of time and what's going to happen in the, in the last days of that generation, we're really possibly could be in the last generation, which means um, his return could be really close, right? So let's read some more about other things that Jesus said and uh, some of the scriptures, the Bible. And we're going to talk about Revelation. Revelation is a great book, right? It has some insight into the, into the future. Um, and John is, is seeing these visions and passing them on to us. And so let's read in Luke 21. The disciples asked Jesus, they say, they said, teacher, but when will these things be, right? When will these things be? Uh, at what at what, and what sign will, be, will there be when these, these things are about to take place? So when the end times begin to happen, what should we be looking for, right? And they ask for a specific sign. What, uh, what sign will there be that we should be looking for? And Jesus responds and says this. So before I read the next one, um, so this is verse 7, and then there's some, he talks about what's going to take place, some of the different things that we can look forward for. And then he says this, like you're going to see all these different things that take place, earthquakes and wars. And rumors of wars, he says, the end's not yet. But then he says, but then there'll be these signs, and this is when you should pay attention, right? He says, and there'll be the, the, the signs in the sun, in the moon, in the stars, and in the earth, distress of nations with perplexity. When we're in the middle of COVID, a lot of people are saying, what in the world is this all about, right? So around the world, there's going to be a, a time, and I think we're really close there, of perplexity, right? Confusion. There's going to be like, nobody really knows what's going on. Um, there's all these different forms of truth and all the things that are going on. Like, what is, what is real? What is true? What are we supposed to be doing? Uh, distress of nations and the sea and the waves roaring. That's referring to, like, the nations. Like, there's just chaos going on, right? There's just unsettledness that's just going like, a, like an ocean. And he says, in the sun and the moons and the stars, there's going to also be things that we can even uh, see in the skies, uh, which is interesting in themselves. And then he says, um, um, the waves roaring. Then they will see the Son of Man coming with, uh, in a cloud with power and great glory. Right now, he says, when you see these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. What does he say? When you when you begin to realize that these things are taking place, look up. Right, look to God. Pay attention to what's taking place. So you also, when you see these things happening, know that the kingdom of God is near. Right. And so he says he spoke these things like the tree. We talked about that last week. Um, when you see these things happening, know that the kingdom of God is close. So saying, pay, pay attention to the signs, to the seasons. So if you're on a um, on a trip from here to Denver, right, um, you would look for specific signs knowing you're on the right road. So if you start driving and you're on your road, there's no signs at that point to Denver, no, no indications of how far Denver is, you're probably on the wrong road. But if you're on I-25, you're going to see these, these big signs that come up and say Denver this many miles. And then the closer you get, the, the, the less the miles, right? And, and you all these signposts along the way kind of guiding you. And the closer you get, typically they, they're, they're – they're, they get sooner, right? So far away, one every 100 miles or so. 
And then as you get closer, it's kind of like reminders that you're getting really close and when to expect these things. This kind of what Jesus is saying. There's some specific signposts and things you should be looking for so that you're aware that the end is getting near and you should be prepared for what's going to come, right? Um, and then, then he says this, Assuredly, I say this to you, this generation, and we talked about this last week, will by no means pass away until all things take place. So there's going to be a generation, the last generation, that sees not just a few of the things he talked about, but they'll, he'll, we'll see all of those things. I personally think we're beginning to see a lot of these things. Um, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. So the things I've spoken, they're going to come about. They're going to happen the way they're supposed to. So when it comes to signposts, right, um, he's going to say look for some specific things that will take place in, in the world. Um, Isaiah 6, 66, 8 says this. Who has searched, this is the prophecy about, about um, really the end times and, and about Israel. Who has heard such a thing? Who has seen such things? Shall the earth be made made to give birth in one day, or shall a nation be born at once? So shall a nation be all of a sudden come about in, one, in a single day? Well, in 1948, uh, there was a, special, a very significant thing that took place in our world. The, the nation of Israel was born for the second time, right? So they were, um, when, when, when Daniel, so, so the nation was, of Israel was, was, uh, was, God gave them the commandment to, to, to represent him, right? And they disobeyed, and so they were taken into captivity and spread around the world, and then God brought them back, right? Um, uh, that's what Daniel's prophecy was about, is that at some point, there's going to be a king who's going to declare them to go back and rebuild Jerusalem and, and the temple and all that, and maybe they gathered again. Well, then from that point until Jesus, there were different invaders, armies that came through, but Jesus said, you know, after his death, he said that one, the one day, the Roman government's going to come and destroy the temple, destroy all of the city, and carry, carry everybody off to different nations, Right? And so from that point until 1948, nation, the nation of Israel did not exist. They were just kind of scattered. They were a people group just scattered around the world. And then in 1948, after things transpired with the different world wars, right, if it took place, the atrocities took place, uh, there was a, a moment where they said, we need to give them their own, their own place to call home, right? And so in 1948, after uh, Britain, Great Britain lost the, the rights to, to have Palestine, right, as one of their colonies, um, Israel, Israel, Really, was birthed in May fourteenth uh, of, of that of that year, nineteen forty eight, um, and in one day they became a nation. So, in the history of the world, it's it's the only nation that's had two two births, right? They, it was it became a nation, and then it went away, and then it came again. And so, um, that that's one of the signposts. Is we have the, Israel is is one of the key players in the end times. It's it's one of the things we should watch for. In fact, the whole Middle East area, you always see on the news, there's always stuff going on there. Is because that is that is like ground zero for all the prophecies the Bible talks about. So we should pay attention to that. So Israel is one of those, those signposts that we should say watch for it. So up until 1948, you know, as, as we were living and people were talking about the end times, they knew it wasn't very close because Israel wasn't a nation yet. And how could all the ends happen when all the prophecies about Israel being a nation and other nations coming to fight them, they wouldn't take place. So then 1948, they become a nation. It's like, whoa, okay, this is, this is what Bible talks about. And then something significant happened a few years later in 1967. There was a war and they actually took um, half of Jerusalem back, and they were able to, to get the city of Jerusalem now under their control. And so um, they, they begin to, to move in that way. This is what Zechariah says. So Israel is a signpost. The city of Jerusalem is a signpost. Zechariah 12, 3 says, And that, on that day, when all the nations of the earth were gathered against her, I will make Jerusalem an immovable rock for all the nations. All who try to move it will injure themselves. So Israel, there's going to be a point of contention where all of the nations will be against her. All right? So interesting fact is uh, the United Nations, they have a group that's called the, um, um, the Human, Human Rights Council. And from 2006 until 2016, that 10-year span, um, Israel was criticized 68 times. 
The reason it's so significant is because that's three times more than any other nation in the world. That includes all the bad nations like North Korea, right? They're criticized three times more than other, any other nation. Uh, 2012, 2015, there was 97, re- 97 resolutions uh, passed, and 83 of those were against Israel. Uh, so it's, it's a kind of an out of balance, right, when it comes to the United Nations. And when, it, when, when Zachariah said all the nations will be against, uh, United Nations would probably fall into that category, right? It's the, the group of nations coming, coming against Israel, and so uh, specifically against Jerusalem, right? And for other prophecies, like in Joel, it talks about how they'll try to separate the land, right, from, from and break up, up, up his city. And there'll be curses that come from that. And so as, as we look at these, you know, the signpost Israel, Jerusalem, it's all setting up for um, what's going to take place uh, in, the, in the end. And what's interesting is even Jerusalem, uh, in the last couple of years, in, in 2017, it was declared uh, by President Trump the, the capital of, of Israel, right? And then in 2018, on their birthday, May, May 14th, they moved all of, all, all of the, the embassies and all of the, 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 the headquarters to, to Israel to become the capital city. And so we see all this un- unfolding and, and begin to play out. And it says there's really these nations that come against. And then it says, but there'll be four nations in, um, in Zechariah who will actually come and question the other nations. Uh, last month, in, in, or actually two months ago in August, uh, there was a, a, P- a treaty that was signed uh, between the UAE and Israel to have trade in, in all this. They, that falls into prophecy because it's saying these are the nations that will come alongside Israel and, and, and question the others that are wanting to come and fight against her. So these things are all, it's slowly just being, being played out the way Scripture says, all right? So let's read uh, Revelations now. Revelation is the last book in the Bible, and uh, this is what John says in, in the first part of Revelations. He says, blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it because the time is near. So he says there's a blessing. This is the only book in the Bible that says if you read this, this these letters, this book, this prophecy, there's a blessing that come with it, right? So those who read it aloud are blessed, and those who hear it and take it to heart and what is written in it uh, are blessed because the time is near. So John is saying, um, hey, just, just FYI, as you go through this, these prophecies, if, if, if you stick with it, there's going to be a blessing that comes with it. I would even challenge you at some point in your life, I would say read it loud and then wrestle with that and say, what does this mean, right, what I'm, what I'm reading, what I'm hearing, and how do I apply this to my life? And if you do that, you'll begin to see blessings from it is what John says. Um, I believe because he's pointed to something to help us stay focused uh, so we don't miss what God is doing, right? We're not, we're not just asking the why question of why things are happening in this world. We're saying, what do you want me to do with, with this information that I have? So when we look at the book of Revelation, you know, a lot of people are kind of afraid of it because it has all this um, Im- imagery and uh, dragon and beast. It's kind of, kind of cool, you know? It's like some of the movies we see. And um, it talks about just all these different things that are going to take place, these different wars and um, how... Uh, People are, are going to die through starvation and through plagues, and uh, there'll be an, an asteroid, that, uh, a meteor that actually hits the earth, right, that comes and destroys the water and, and a third of the population. There's all these things that are taking place, and it's kind of like, wow, that's kind of a scary book, right? But why has God given this to us? Because he's trying to help us see something. Um, and, and uh, yeah, so it's, he, I heard a story of, uh, 2018, there's a police officer in uh, Columbus, Ohio. There was a call made from a neighborhood saying there's two boys walking around. Uh, with a gun. And so the police was called, was, the officer was called to go, to go see what, what it was. As he gets, gets to them, he realizes the boy has a gun in his, in, his, uh, in his pants, right? And so the police officer takes his gun and says, all right, you know, put the gun down. And the boys freak out when they see him. And so instead of like acting calm and, and putting their hands up, he reaches for the gun, which at that point, you know, especially the season we're in, that's just, that's a, a deadly scenario, right, for that little boy. 
And so the officer doesn't shoot. In fact, the, he's just waiting to see, is this boy really going to try to shoot me or what? He pulls it out and he puts it down, he, he throws it on the ground. And at that point, the officer realizes as he sees it, it's a BB gun that looks like a real gun, right? And, um, and so um, he, he, he gets the gun and, and he sits the boys down. And uh, that's kind of, you would think that's kind of the end of the story. He doesn't shoot him, which is great. Um, but but he, the, the lapel cam actually shows that he actually has this conversation. He then talks. Turns out the boy was 11 and his friend was 13. So just young, young guys that, that are, you know, walking around, probably fooling around, not realizing the severity of what they were doing. And uh, so he sits down and he says, guys, you can't do that in the world we live in. Like, that is not okay, right? And then as he's talking to him, he gets a little more stern, a little more, a little more anger, anger within because obviously you could tell, like, and he, and he says, he's, he tells the, 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 the kid, like, you don't even know. Like, this could have been your last day on earth. Do you realize this could have been your last day on earth? And, and honestly, he, had, he would have that once he reached for that gun, he has every right to shoot, right? Because that, that's a threat. And, and he didn't, which is great. And, and, uh, and the boy, he, and he sits down and just talks, and he's trying to get him to wake up and realize, like, you get what I'm saying? Like, this could have been your last day. And if, if I would have shot, you would be dead, right? So you wouldn't have it tomorrow. And then later his mom is interviewed, and, and she's, she, she's saying, you know, I'm so grateful that my son is alive today because yesterday could have been the day that he was gone. And the police officers kind of coach these two young people uh, with a little force and, and kind of, like, try to show them, like, this is serious stuff. And the next time, if you ever do this again, it might not end up this way, right? Or if you continue on this path, you're going to get yourself in situations that it will be others that they are going to fire against you, all those things. She's trying to coach him. So some people, they would see that and be like, man, why did the cop have to be so rough or tell him about all the, the things that could have happened, right? And they, they would say that's just not a loving cop, police officer. I think it's the opposite. Here's a loving officer saying, guys, this is so, so serious. If you don't understand those consequences attached to your actions, you will make foolish decisions. When I look at prophecy, I look at revelation, I look at what God is saying, he's saying not out of a heart of saying judgment is coming, right? There will be a day where the wrath of God is poured out on all humanity, but he wants us to know that's coming, and we don't have to face that. We can actually um, be prepared, and we can actually escape that, right, through, through the rapture and, and believe in him for what he has for us. And so revelation and, and prophecy is given to give us confidence not to scare us. And the same way the police officers are trying to show the reality of what could take place, that's what John is trying to do to us. That's what I'm trying to do is saying, guys, this is really serious stuff. Like your life, your eternity hangs in the balance here. What you do with it is really, really important. If we look at Revelation, um, majority of this book is about the last seven years of the end times, right? So uh, from chapter uh, 6 through 19 is all about the tribulation. Uh, so the first part, 1 through 3, is really the Christ and the church. 4 through 5 is the throne in heaven. Uh, those are pretty cool just to read themselves, what, what, um, that, that, that part. And then, and then the first half of tribulation is, is 6 through 9. And then 10 through 14 is the middle of the tribulation, which is significant. And then there's the end. The last half is 15 through 19. Then the last two chapters, 21 22, are about the new heavens and the new earth and the blowing away of Christ. And so John is given in, in this book of Revelation, he spends the majority of it talking about the last seven years. So last year I, I talked about this, right? So Jesus said that this, that last generation will see all of this. And at some point, there'll be some things that trigger the, the last seven years. Uh, more specifically, there'll be, be some uh, a specific person that rises up in this world called the Antichrist who will trigger, trigger the beginning of that because there'll be a seven-year treaty with Israel, um, most likely to rebuild the temple. That'll be part of the, the agreement. They'll be able to have lands so they can rebuild the temple. And then they'll think worship can start again. Um, but then in the middle of that seven years, three and a half years, he actually comes in and kicks out the, the, the Jewish people from the temple. He sets up an image to be worshipped instead of God. And so um, let, let's read about this. So it, what's interesting is, is Matthew and, and Jesus tells his disciples in Matthew 24 
these things are going to take place, right? And throughout history, they're going to slowly be taking place. And when one happens, you know, it's, it's not the sign of the end. But when all of them begin to happen, it is, it is a tell. It's a signpost that, that the end is near. So we look at Matthew 24. We compare it to Revelation 6 is when the tribulation starts. There is these seven seals that are opened up, right? That, that what's going to take place, these events are going to take place, and these seals are opened up. And as soon as the seal is opened up, this, this uh, prophecy, something takes place, right? So the first seal is, is a white horse is released. And, and this white horse has a rider who has a bow, but he has no arrows. And so essentially, this is the Antichrist who rises up in the last days um, through political means, right? He'll figure out how to begin to help nations uh, establish peace, not through war, but through it's politics at its finest, right? Through, through probably really elegant words, probably very charismatic person, leader, um, who begins to rise up. He's, he's a white horse. He's going to be empowered by the, by the enemy, by, by, the, by Satan, right? He'll be, he'll, he'll, that's where he'll get his power from. So in, in Matthew, Jesus says there will be false Christs. There will be wars, famines, death, martyrs, and worldwide chaos, right? And he says throughout history, you're going to see these things kind of popping up. When they all happen, you know the end is near. What's interesting is the seven seals correlate with what Jesus talks about. So the false, he says false Christ. At this point, there will be a false Christ. John says in our world, there is a spirit of Antichrist who's against Jesus, but there will be one day a, a specific person named, named the Antichrist who will, who will show up in, 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 in history and begin to, most likely he's already kind of being groomed for this or being prepared, and, and uh, he's going to just be a, a world power, world leader that helps begin to transition people to one world government eventually. And so um, the second seal is the red horse. This is war. Uh, red symbolizing blood. The bloodshed's going to take place, right? So he says there are going to be wars. Uh, black horse represents famine and, and pestilence, plagues. So throughout history, we've seen plagues that have taken out a lot of people. But in this case, it will be famine and, and other plagues that take place. Uh, the pale horse represents death, right? And death will be given uh, the ability to take out a quarter of people on earth um, when that seal is opened up. And there'll be martyrs. It's this next seal, and, and, and they'll cry out to God, saying how much longer, right? The people that have died um, for, for, for Christ. And then there'll be worldwide chaos. And the seventh seal is just worldwide chaos. Uh, this sets up the scene for what, what you've probably heard of as like the mark of the beast, right? Um, a world, one world government. You won't be able to buy food or eat, um, get food from stores unless you have a mark, on, either on your hand or on your forehead. Um, so we see even some of those things playing out. Like in, in Seattle, there's an Amazon, right, that you don't have to even use money to go in. You just somehow they track, I don't know how they track you. Uh, you have to set up a profile or what. But you walk into the store, and you pick up whatever you want. You leave the store, and they send you the bill. Like, hey, thanks for, bu- for taking all these things out of our store, right? And you don't talk to anybody. You just, you just buy, buy your stuff and go in and out. And, and there's way, they, they figure out ways to track. And throughout, little by little, we're moving to that kind of system. But this, will, this when all this happens, people are going to be looking, and we'll be looking for somebody to help bring some order to all of this. And that's when the Antichrist really begins to rise up and, and, um, and begin to, to show that he, you know, he, has, he has the... Um, maybe the, 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 the charisma to be able to lead people in that way, and he does. So Revelation 6 begins to say this is the, kind of the start of it. This is what's going to take place, right? And then some of the other things is, is as Jerusalem is now the city, there'll be a temple rebuilt. They're already making plans for this. Like this is already in, in, in motion, right? At some point they're going to, they already have a location with their, where they're going to do all that, uh, have all the right things in place to be able to, to consecrate the temple like a red heifer. Um, they think they might have found one that would qualify, and that's really difficult and hard because this animal has to be perfect, and they have to be, um, um, like, uh, rabbis have to come and, like, you know, say this is exactly what needs to uh, be, be slaughtered to be able to, to, sac- to uh, consecrate the temple. So all the things that are falling into place that are setting this up for it, right? And so once the temple's set up, then we know that, that now the Antichrist at some point will come, and he'll kick out Israel, and he'll set himself up as, as to be worshipped. 
Um, and then other things will take place. Uh, there's, there's an asteroid that's supposed to hit uh, the earth, right, that just brings some of that. What's interesting is um, I was reading a little bit about some of this, this prophecies, and there's a team of people in NASA that actually uh, monitor the, the, the skies, um, outer space, for, for any kind of um, meteor that's going to come close to the earth, right? They're always monitoring just in case to see where, you know, try to figure out if it does break through atmosphere, is it going to land, where would it land, all those things. Well, they found one that in 2029, there's supposed to be one that, that's going to get really close to, to our planet. Uh, what's interesting is, I think it was last year, there was one that passed by uh, that they didn't even know about that came pretty close, um, I think it was a little bit into the atmosphere. But it's caught them off guard because they've been watching for these things, and that one kind of slipped past them. So when I read all this stuff, like, that, like it's like a NASA website. It's not like just some conspiracy theory of like what could take place. And one of the websites says, yeah, they're making this plan to send this little, uh, this little uh, rocket into space um, to go and try to like detonate in that asteroid in case it was going to get close to the Earth, so it could kind of you know make it weaker. Um, I think I saw that in a movie somewhere, right? It's like it's like in a movie, like that's like really there. So that's that's just to say, all these things are beginning to unfold where those things could possibly take place within our lifetime, right? And um, for us, we have to be able to say, how, how can we live in such a way that we're not afraid of that, but that we're we're trusting God, one to rescue us, but even for those that miss. So the good news is. Because um, we believe in the rapture of the church, right? That we'll be raptured before the seven years start. But even the good news is after the seven years do start, there'll still be people coming to Christ. There'll be um, 144,000 uh, um, believers that, will, that, that God will use on the earth to make a difference. There'll be two witnesses, right? Uh, two prophets uh, that, will, that will speak for God. And, and nobody can kill them or destroy them, even though they want to, because they have the power of God. Really to help people here on earth still have a, tr- a chance to make Christ their Lord. And then the mark of the beast, I talk about that. Really, the, the, the buying and the selling, it's not so much that you have, a, have, have some, I don't know if it's a chip or whatever it is, that you know technology that may, might be more advanced than you realize. Whatever that is, it's not just that you're getting this so you can buy food. You're getting this to say the Antichrist is God. So it's, it's a declaration of your life of trust in, really, Satan and the enemy. And he's getting people to worship through, through control, through manipulation. And it's a choice that people make. And so up to that point, those who re- don't receive it, they can't eat. But then there'll also be in, in, in uh, a good chance of them being killed and martyred because of their uh, disobedience to the Antichrist, right? And so all these things begin to take place. And so there will be possibly even more people in the end time in that seven years who come to Christ than even maybe beforehand. I don't know. There'll be a lot of people because the Revelation talks about that. Uh, there was a lot that were martyred that God now walks into the kingdom of God because they didn't lose faith. So if you are a Jesus follower, this should just help you understand like there are there, – at some point there's going to be consequences – and there'll be wrath that comes. You know, Jesus said that in the same way in the days of, of Noah, in the same days in the day of Lot. Well, those two analogies that he's talking about is Noah was told there's going to be a flood that's going to come to the earth and destroy it. And he was told to build an ark, right, to save his family. And Noah said he was a preacher of that message to the, to, to the people in, in, his, in his world, in his city. And it says for 122 years as he built that, he was telling them, guys, there'll be a day of God's wrath. There's going to be a day of judgment. Put your trust in him. And out of all those that were alive, only eight people survived because they chose to trust God. So Jesus says, in that day, it'll be like the days of Noah. Things are going to get bad. Things are going to get, um, we'll talk about the next week, um, where, where immorality is rampant. And, and there'll be perplexity, all those things that are taking place, right? He says, but it'll be the same way, but be prepared, be ready, because I'm going to come. And like, like Noah, I'm going to rescue, right? Like Lot, I'm going to take you out of the city before the city is destroyed. And that's what we believe as, as Jesus followers, saying we can be rescued. You don't have to wait to try to make it through the end times. You can actually um, 
believe God for the, for the strength to, to escape that in the first place. In fact, um, in Luke, he says to the disciples, pray that you'd be found worthy to escape. Like he tells us, pray that you would be ready for whatever's going to come, that you're not, you're not living in such a way that would disqualify you, that you've, you've made God your Lord, right? Um, so I would say it like this. Plan as Jesus is not returning for 100 years. You plan, you're responsible. Do what you have to do every single day. Try to get the best grades you can. Live in such a way that your life is, is a testimony, right? But, um, but live as though Jesus is returning today. You're ready for him. You're, you're, you're living in such a way that you, he came back. You're ready to go. God, I'm, I'm, ready for, I'm ready for whatever you have next for me, right? You live in, in, that, in that way. You know, I think when I think of perplexity and, and um, just the challenges we have in earth, in, in, our, in our day and age here on the earth, is uh, we're moving into a season that's very confusing, right? I mean, just with the COVID season, it's like you, you're wrong if you wear a mask. You're wrong if you don't wear a mask. You know, you're wrong if you vote one way. You're wrong if you vote the other way. Um, all these different voices out there telling us of how we should believe, what we should believe, why we shouldn't believe. Some of it's fake news. Some of it is true. Some of it is, is truth that is hidden and buried, right? Because don't, they don't want us to know the truth. There's all these things that are going on. It's kind of can be confusing, right? Especially for, I think, especially for young people and those that are um, so engulfed and in, in, intertwined with social media. Like that becomes your, your, your um, outlet into the world, and that's what you look your, your, your worldview, right? Well, if, if it's one-sided, and it is, like they track you and they figure out what you like and they just keep giving you the same things you like. If, if that's your worldview, you potentially could miss what God is trying to say and do in your life because you're so focused on what they're doing. Um, we can't bow our knee to any, any government system. Like, our knee bows to God. He, he is king. Uh, the Republicans are not. He is king. The Democrats are not, right, or whatever other, other um, thing you believe in. And, and whatever, whoever president, they're not Messiah, right? And he has the problem with a lot of too many, both sides, put too much stock into this person of saying they're going to fix and change everything. And if you look at history, they usually don't change a whole lot, right? We change what we need to change. We do what we need to do to move forward. And we, we, we get stuck in, in caught in that. So there's all this perplexity, you know? Um, there, are, there are states that have passed laws that, that what I believe, right, the Bible, what the Bible talks about, that if I was to talk to people about a different lifestyle, specifically young people, it'd be labeled as hate speech, and I can go to prison for it. There's certain states that I cannot speak about the full gospel, like what is written in there about lifestyles, because um, they call it hate speech. Where I, I'm saying I think, I think it's a loving thing to tell people of what they can expect when they do the opposite of what God has. That's, that's what Scripture is about, is saying there's warnings that come when we ignore God, we get the consequences of our choices. There's a connection. In our society's teaching, there's no consequences. They, they teach license, right? You should be able to do whatever you want, whenever you want, and nobody can tell you any different, right? Now, you're free to do whatever you want, but when you choose something, there's always something attached to that. Um, this, is just, this is just science in itself, right? This is... This is um, us knowing that everything that we put in action will have a consequence, good or bad. Something's gonna, there's gonna be an outcome, right? And we tend to think, no, that we're, we're, we're not, we don't have to have consequences in our life. We just do whatever we want now, live, up, live it up, and, and it'll still work out. No, you, when you do whatever you want to do, it's not always gonna work out the way you think it is. And so, like, for example, in our, our society, there's a lot of confusion around transgenderism right now, right? And I get that. that there's a lot of confusion because of all the voices that sit out there that all these different things, people that are saying things. But here, as a loving pastor, let me say this. If you are wrestling with that, we love you. Uh, we want to help you if, if, if that's something that we can. Uh, but this is the reality of what takes place when that. When, pe- when people go to have sex change, right, 41% of people who, who go through that procedure will, will attempt suicide, right? 
So they're told, this will fix everything, it'll make it better. And then when they get there, it doesn't fix everything, make it better. In fact, almost half of those people will attempt suicide because they realize it's not. So one side says it's not loving to tell people that there's, there's negative consequences with it. It's loving just to let them do whatever you want. And I would say, no, it's not loving. Because if half of your people that you're telling to go and do whatever they want are going to try to take their life, that is not a loving thing to do. And, and if you look at society, that's, that's what plays out through our society, right? So if you're a young person in this room, like you're, you're growing up in a culture that's very confused. And truth is not truth. Truth is, is it's, it's relative, right? So my truth is my truth. Your truth is your truth. But if that's, that, that, that's not possible. Like you can't have two different truths and call them truth. Either one is true and one is a lie, or the other one is a lie and the other one is truth. Does that make sense? And so God is saying, if you want to know truth, let me show you. And then let me show you how it works. And then let me prove to you throughout history and throughout time that what I said comes about the way I said it. He told Adam and Eve, out of all the trees you can eat, just don't eat the one. And what do they go for? The one, right? And it brought the consequences God told them because they chose that one. You're free to do whatever you want with your life, but at some point, you will have an outcome from those choices. And when they're opposite what God has, you can expect the outcome to be negative. He says that over and over. And it's not, a, it's not an angry God who doesn't love us and want us to have fun and want us to enjoy life. It's a God who's saying there are consequences with the choices that we make. He said, if you want to know truth, you want to build your life on something solid, here's my word. Here's what I want you to build it on. And as Jesus followers, that's why this is such a gift to us. Because it helps us to know what is true. So that when popular culture and when famous people come out and say something that is contrary to the Bible, we can say, I don't think that's true. And if you watch long enough, you'll see what they said was not true. And it doesn't play out the way they did. Throughout history, we see this over and over. Leaders rise up and say, hey, let me rule. Let me do these things. I'm going to you know, create this government. It's going to be awesome. And then they're wicked and they leave people astray and they kill off people. And they, they make these promises they, they don't keep and they can't even keep, right? And what they said was true, what they believed was true, turns out it wasn't true. It didn't work. In our society, we're living in a, in a time where there's perplexity and confusion because of all the things that are taking place. And then you get polarized by two sides, and, and nobody's listening to either side, right? And, and you're only listening to one side, not the other. You get frustrated and angry with the other side. It's, just, it's not a good um, – it's, it's a very difficult season we're living in, right? So um, young people, I'll just let me challenge you with this. I would say you need to figure out where you stand when it comes to this, right? Uh, last week, I, I gave you the proof, well, some of the proofs, there's more than that, of why, this is real, why the Bible is reliable, why Scripture is, can be trusted, uh, because it's played out the way God says it to you. Uh, when I was 14 years old, um, I grew up in church, um, which is a gift that I, I was uh, able to, to just, just see a, a change in my parents uh, because they followed Christ and uh, was, was, just, was, was taught a lot of the Scripture of the Bible. Well, around junior high, it was my difficult years, right? Those are the years that I really struggled with my faith, really struggled with um, trying to fit in. And I had to make a choice at some point, right? So in junior high, I was kind of I was trying to fit in. I wanted to be cool. I wanted to be popular. I wanted to go with the flow. I wanted to go with the crowd. And those are the years I made very poor choices. But what's interesting about those, those, those years, 11, 12, and 13, I started reading the Bible. Um, my youth group had this challenge that we would do one-year Bible. So the Bible is broken up every single day by Old Testament, New Testament, Psalm, and Proverbs. So every day I would, I would read through, through a, a, a portion of the scripture. And by the end of the year, I would have read the whole Bible. So at age 11 and 12, I began to do this at age 13. Well, age 14, uh, I was about to go to high school. It was the summer between junior high and high school. Um, I was at a summer camp, and uh, the speaker was talking, and there were some services, and 
there was this point at the end of the week that um, I really felt God challenged me. He says, you have to decide. Are you going to go with the crowd? Are you going to just go with what, with what, what popular culture says, what your friends say? Are you going to go with me? Like, what are you going to do? And up to this point, I've been reading the Bible. I've been saying, all right, God, I, I want to know for myself. Because really, faith, it's not your parents' faith. It's not my faith. It's your faith. It has to be your faith, right? We'll stand before God for what we did, not for what others do. And he said, you have to make a decision, make a choice. And at age 14, I made a decision that I was going all in. All right, God, I'm all in. Whatever it costs me, I'm going in. And I understood what it was going to cost. I knew I was going to lose friends for the stands I would take because I wouldn't go out and do the things they were doing. I wouldn't go with the crowd and, and, and just do whatever they said was cool, but I would trust God for it. And I did. In high school, I lost a lot of friends for it. But I look back, and it was the best decision of my life because it saved me from a lot of things that would have come if I would have cho- chose opposite. In fact, I have a few friends, that uh, really good friends of mine, that are no longer alive um, from alcohol abuse, from drug abuse, um, they, they, they went that route, and it took their life early. I think early, and I think that they, they didn't, because they were promised that it's fun, right? And it is for a season, but then when the season's over, it's always, un, it's always death, and it's always all the other consequences that come with it. And for me, at that, that age, I really, God was trying to say, right, pay attention, right? Because you have to live in such a way that your choices are going to make an impact in your life. Trust me for this. Trust me. Stand on my word. Stand on my principles. Live in the way that I'm asking you to, and it'll work out the way I'm telling you to. When you do God's way, things work. It doesn't mean it's easy. I think it's sometimes it's harder. But the results are always so much better. Marriage works better. Our finances work better. Our relationships work better. We're better people because we trust God for that. So for me, here's, here's my challenge for today, all right? Um, and this will make sense in, the, in a second. When we're in a season of unknown and perplexity, and we're in a season of maybe going through something very difficult, the common usually what we tend to do is ask the question, why? why? Why COVID? Why do I have to homeschool my kids? Why is this happening to me? Why is my boss such a jerk? Why is my husband such a jerk? Why, 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 right? And we get focused on saying why all the time that our why actually paralyzes us. Your why can paralyze you from doing anything. You just, because it's easier to blame everybody else, right? Why sets up for, for um, uh, this, this moment where we can blame God for what's wrong. We can blame others for what's wrong. And as long as we stay just ruminating and thinking about the problem, we never get to the solution or the answer. What we need to do, as Jesus followers, we turn our why into what? Whenever you're season of this is difficult, why did this happen? Just say, all right, the why is not going to most likely be answered this side of heaven, so what do you want me to do now? So we're in a season, right? Instead of blaming and saying why, why are they doing this, why are they making me wear this, why are they saying this, say, what can I do in this moment? What can I do today? What can I do with my life? So your boss is a jerk. So what can I do? What can you do? Be a jerk back? That's one option. You probably won't have a job very long, right? Or it won't be a very fun environment. Or you can do something different. God, what do you want me to do? I think as Jesus followers, we really need to say, God, what is it you need me to do? God, what is it you want me to do in this season? How do you want to use my life to make a difference in others' lives? God asked Abraham, Abraham, I want to bless you and your descendants so you could be a blessing to the world. God wants to bless us so we could be a blessing to the world. He's saying, here's the what. And if we live with this, this rhythm and we live with this, this, um, this daily awareness of saying, God, what is it you want me to do today? We will most likely live our life in such a way that makes a difference for those around us rather than just living it for ourselves. The choice is ours. The choice is yours. You can do whatever you want, but let me just challenge you, all right? Let me just encourage you. When you do it God's way, it works. When you do it your own way, it doesn't work. I try it both ways. And sometimes I still wrestle with that. Like, I think I have a better way. No, my way is not better. God's way is always better. 
and it always works. So turn your, your wine into a what this week. You're going home and you're thinking about something. Why this? No. What am I supposed to do now? Don't let the, uh, the why paralyze you and keep you from doing something. Just say, what is it that you're asking me to do, God? When there's perplexity and confusion around this world, instead of saying why, say, God, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to live? How do you want me to respond? How can I help others? So some of you in this room, um, maybe you're at that, that critical point in your life where you have to make a decision. Maybe like when I was 14, God said, Eric, you make, make a choice. Are you with me? Or are you with them? What are you going to do? Are you with me? Or are you going to just listen to, the, to what culture is saying? How are you going to live your life? There has to be a point in your life where you make this decision for yourself, saying, I'm going all in. And my prayer this series would get us to a point where we realize you can experience all the wrath and all the things God has for you. Not that God has for you. All the, the wrath and all the consequences of what your sin will bring or you can experience what God has for you opposed to that. The choice is yours. But at some point, like he did with, with Noah, like he did with Lot, he was patient up to a point. And then there's a breaking point when he says, enough's enough. Now wrath will come. Now the wrath will be poured out. At some point, it might feel like that now. Things are just going along, nothing really worried about, right? But at some point, God's, God's justice, his wrath will come about. I pray and I hope you're on the side of him when you say, God, I make you Lord of my life. I follow your lead. You don't have to do that today. That could be your bed, your bed tonight. That could be when you're driving home or, or sometime just in the moment where you make the decision for yourself. Or it could be today. In fact, would you do me a favor? Close your eyes and bow your head today as we end our service. If you're at that point today and you're ready, whether you're watching online or you're here at the Grove Central, if you're at that point of decision where you're saying, I'm, I'm all, I want to go all in, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. If that's you, would you do me a favor to lift your hand and say, that's me? I'm going to go all in. God, I, I make you Lord of my life. I want to follow what your word says. Take a few hands. For you online, if you're watching and you want to say this prayer with us, in fact, would you pray this? Those that raise your hand, would you pray this prayer with me and the rest of us in the room, would you pray with them so they're not praying alone? This is what Romans says this. Romans 10, 9 says if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord. Today we're going to do that. We're going to declare with God, you're God. I believe your life today. I follow you. So pray this prayer with me and those in the room pray with us, please. Say, Father God, today I put my trust in you. I want to follow your lead. I want the future that you have for me. I declare that you are Lord, Jesus. I believe that you rose from the dead. Come into my life and lead me. I put my trust in you. Give me ears to hear what you're asking me to do and the courage to do it. Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's celebrate those who prayed the prayer here in the building online.